0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to Sawbones, a Maryland tour of misguided medicine. I'm your co-host, Justin McElroy, and I'm Sydney McElroy. I had a nice, relaxing drive, Sid, uh, this afternoon. I got my car back. You know, of course, as everyone knows, I think it's been hot topic. I got a flat tire on our Way Avenue. Mm-hmm. Yes, uh, they fixed up uh, at the dealership my Honda Pilot, and then you know what I did after that? I just took a nice drive around, celebrate having a car, uh, enjoy the privilege. Of having a motor vehicle. We take things for granted. With four tires that work. Four great tires Mm -hmm. that cost a lot of money. And I'm still kind of upset about the pothole. But anyway. Where'd you go? uh, I went down to campus. You know, living in the town that you went to college in is kind of cool sometimes because you get to like drive around and see the the young, the youngins, you know, prime of their lives, partying and hoisting brews with their buds.
1: Well, I was thinking more that they were about to embark on this college experience i don't that miss that some part, people though. enjoy the learning and the. i missed the part
0: where i just as didn't as have it, any responsibilities and just partying with my buds you and i had different college experiences that is fair it took me i liked it so much i, I hung out for five years <laughs> in there so i guess maybe i liked it just a little bit more than you sure uh, it's fun going through campus though but our campus has actually been there's been uh, some some controversy lately
1: that's that's true justin so one of as as is true on many college campuses our halls are named for various individuals mm-hmm. there's like a Corbley hall and a harris hall who i assume are named for people i don't
0: and the science hall i don't know
1: there's the science building
0: science building do your bit do your science building bit
1: you're just gonna make fun of me more for I it. I promise
0: I won't. Just do your bit.
1: I always say it's the science building. You know, it's named for Alexander F. Science, who, of course, was a journalist,
0: <laughs> not a scientist. That's kind of the great. I think
1: it's anyway, good. it's called the science building because they haven't named it for me yet, right? Boom! The Sydney Building.
0: The Sydney. Wait, hold on. The McElroy Complex. Well,
1: I was Smurl when I went there and Smurl I'm not now, so either last name doesn't work. It's just the Sydney building.
0: I think the important thing is you are not Confederate General Albert Gallatin Jenkins.
1: That's right. Jenkins Hall is named for a Confederate general who I didn't know this when I went to school there. Yeah. And no. I would imagine many people didn't. Right. Because you don't always know who the namesakes of these halls. But it has it has been written in the campus newspaper and i think a lot of people have made the revelation now that this hall jenkins hall is named for a confederate general who owned a fairly large slave run plantation you know he owned slaves up uh, green bottom up on the ohio river here in west virginia on the west virginia side of it and uh he was a really bad guy Mm -hmm. um aside from obviously being a uh, someone who owned slaves, he uh, would because he lived right on the river, and across the river was Ohio, where people were free. Mm-hmm. Uh, he he led hunts to track down escaped slaves, and. He was a terrible person. Bad dude. And for whatever reason, we named a hall after him on campus. And it's currently undergoing renovations and refurbishments. And this would be a great moment, I think, for us to stand on the right side of history and rename it for someone who is... Deserving of are having really, anything named after them,
0: or related to education, because it's an education building. Yes, yeah, it, it, not an education building in the sense that all buildings at the university <laughs> are education buildings. Literally, you teach teachers, teach teachers. Yes, there.
1: so so there are a lot a lot of great figures you could highlight. Not this guy. Not this cat. So, uh in light of that, I started thinking about the fact that in medicine, there are there have been a lot of discoveries made by. People who weren't great. And there's always the argument everybody exists in the time in which they live. Um, but I I, I call shenanigans on that mm-hmm. sometimes. I think that we need to distinguish the stuff we've learned from the people who have obtained that knowledge. And uh, one figure that comes to mind in medical history that we have never done a show on, but that we've actually gotten a lot of emails over time requesting this topic. Mm. Um, And I've always shied away from it because it's not, well, there's nothing funny about it, first of all. And secondly, it's a, it's a, it's a darker note in medical history not just this specific figure, but it highlights that there are lots of of points like this in Mm -hmm. scientific discovery where vulnerable people were put at risk and experimented upon in order to obtain knowledge. and uh, But I still think we should talk about it. It's important to talk about it and learn from it despite that. Um, so we're going to talk about J. Marion Sims. Okay. You may have heard his name because there was some controversy about a statue of J. Marion Sims uh, in New York, in Central Park, actually. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it, it was actually removed back in April because of a lot of the things that, that we're about to talk about. If you've heard about him from, if you're a, anyone in the medical world, you may have heard him referred to as the father of gynecology um, for some of the discoveries that he's made. Um, to, to get started into, into what he did and, and kind of what the whole issue is, we need to talk about vesicovaginal fistulas.
0: Okay, now let me let me take a, take a swing. Vaginal, that's easy. Got that one. Fistulas are holes or conduits mm-hmm. or tunnels. Yep. So, uh, and then vesico is bladder. Bladder. I was just about to i I would have guessed bladder. You wouldn't have, but I'll give you that one. So it's a, a basically a tube or a tunnel between the bladder and the vagina. Yes. Okay.
1: Not not a tube but like a, an abnormal connection between those two structures. Okay. There should they should not be connected
0: directly. Okay. The vagina and the bladder, bladder should not be connected directly. No. There not is
1: it. no there is no window or hole or anything in between the two, right? They're two distinct organs. Fair enough. So an an abnormal connection between the two. Um, there's also something called a rectovaginal fistula, which is an abnormal connection between the rectum and the vagina. Um, same idea these are not things that we have in our bodies naturally They are things that arise as the result of illnesses, you know problems trauma that kind of thing. There are lots of different reasons, but one of the primary reasons that these have occurred historically are a result of a protracted complicated labor. Hmm. So the way that this happens is let's say that uh, someone is in labor the baby has come down to the what we call the outlet of the pelvis. So that's that's where it comes. where you come out of the pelvis, right? The outlet. Mm-hmm. You can probably figure that out. Yep. Uh, and the baby's head gets stuck. Basically, this can be the result of the pelvic outlet, the the pelvis itself being smaller or just shaped differently, or the baby being large. Although a lot of times this has been the result of um, pregnancy at a young age. Mm-hmm just when the pelvis is not fully formed yet um but the, basically the baby's head presses against all those tissues as you as the person continues to labor and it and the baby doesn't come out and as it as it's compressing all those tissues down in the pelvis you can actually get lack of blood flow it's like and you i mean you can do that if you press hard enough on your skin and it, and it gets paler Mm -hmm. because you're depriving it of blood flow Mm -hmm. well imagine that for a protracted period of time intense pressure okay eventually the tissue can die
0: some cell death yeah
1: yes so you get some cell death and then holes can form there and as those heal you get some abnormal connections between various parts of the body Mm -hmm. that is the general way that these have been formed at least in this in this case i'm not saying that this is the only way you can get one of these fistulas there are other conditions but this is what we're talking about uh So if the bladder and vagina are now connected, you can have urine that continually leaks from the vagina, which can predispose you to infections, bladder infections, kidney infections, that kind of thing. Um, And if there is a connection between the vagina and the rectum, stool can leak from the vagina, which, again, it can predispose you to all kinds of infections. And beyond these medical complications, there's also some obvious quality of life complications here. Of course. Um, You're constantly incontinent. That's that's. A, a very uncomfortable way to have to go through life and then depending on where we are in history there are also also a lot of social implications from this societal implications uh, if you are continually having either of these problems either of these incontinence issues it may make you, it may prevent you from participating in society you may become kind of a pariah you know um, and it would certainly complicate If you desired, you know, to have more children, further, you know, the ability to to have children in the future and that kind of thing. So so it was a devastating complication for Mm -hmm. people. I I think that's important to note. This was um, not a minor problem, not a well, no big deal. We don't really need to bother to figure out how to fix it. Um, Efforts to figure out how to fix it were were certainly founded in the sense that this was a big complication and we needed some sort of surgery to correct it. Mm-hmm. That I think is fair to say. Um, and by the way, w- a lot of the research that we're going to talk about, a lot of the things that happened w- all are in the 1800s, but we've known that these could form um, way back as far as 2050 BCE. Wow. We have found uh, the mummified remains of someone who had a vesicovaginal fistula um and they, they even noted the connection between that and the that the pelvis was very contracted and small and so perhaps that was why the fistula form maybe it was the result of a complicated childbirth and and that that exact process um we uh we had made some attempts to try to fix these because this really is a surgical fix mm. there's, there's no medicine right this is this is a pure there's a problem. It needs a surgery to fix it for many, many years in medical history. We don't have anesthesia and we don't have proper surgical instruments and we don't even know how to do this without killing someone. Right. Mm-hmm. So there aren't a lot of attempts mm-hmm. to do anything for it other than surgery. There were some notes uh, back in the 1600s of trying to sew things back together with swan quills. Oh, how festive. It's kind
0: of <laughs> Very elegant solution. It's and I mean that literally elegant and not like not ma- like it would work. Not like it would work, but yeah. it's like very fenciful.
1: Well and it's and and that it's very interesting, probably not very helpful. Um and again a <laughs> That's lot the of the
0: subtitle of Sawbones. <laughs>
1: very interesting, not very helpful. Uh and a lot of these things would have been even if even if a an appropriate surgical procedure had been created, this these are all again done in difficult to reach places without anesthesia, so well, it all would have been very hard to do. So, J. Marion Sims is a physician working in the mid 1800s. Um, he had he had gotten his medical degree, as it were, at the time, and and started practicing in Montgomery, Alabama. Now, the practice he set up there was specifically to cater to the wealthy plantation owners in that region at the time Mm. and uh, not to the owners and their families so much as the people that they owned the people who were enslaved and this I want to be very clear this sounds like an altruistic effort that I'm describing
0: it's not an outreach
1: no no this is not I want to take care of vulnerable people who are not getting appropriate medical care this is, this is motivated economically. There is, there was a lot of money to be made in helping a plantation owner keep their labor healthy, mm-hmm. to keep the people that they had, um, I don't want to say working for them because that implies that there's payment. Yes, right. And obviously there was not, but to, but to keep the people that they had enslaved, to keep them healthy and to keep them bearing more children. Right. There was a there was a huge economic, um, you know, motivation there. And so this is why he set up this practice.
0: He is. It is not an outreach to reach vulnerable people. That no. is just that is the important takeaway here. So
1: he's there. Uh, this is it,
0: someone who is viewing <clears throat> these people as property and and treating them for people who uh, in turn view them as property. Exactly. To keep their quote unquote property functioning uh, properly.
1: Yes. So they can continue to make money. Right. Uh, so he, and this was unusual. You wouldn't, you would he wouldn't have seen a lot of, um, people in his practice. He wouldn't have a lot of business typically because most of, and this was true actually for the whole country at the time, most medicine was done at home, right? You, you got sick and there were a lot of folk remedies and you just kind of figured things out. Mm -hmm. Um, you didn't always go to the doctor. So you would only have been brought to see him if you were pretty sick Mm -hmm. or, if you were unable to perform a function oh, that right. your owner needed right. you to it perform.
0: impeded your, of course.
1: So this started when he was asked to examine a woman who had fallen off a horse and had a lot of pelvic pain as a result. He basically had to invent what was a, pretty much the first speculum to do so. The first um, kind of of the modern iteration of speculums Mm -hmm. to do so. And he examined her and he found that she had a vesicovaginal fistula. And he decided that he needed to come up with a way to fix these. Um, They were a major medical problem. This was something that needed to fix. It also would be a great way for him to kind of make a name for himself. He didn't. And I should know. I don't. He didn't have any experience necessarily with gynecology or gynecologic surgeries or anything up to this point. Mm-hmm. He just decided that this was the thing he was going to pursue. Now, in order to do a medical procedure, you obviously have to practice it. And to practice it, you need, I mean, throughout history, we've used animals, but he he wanted willing patients. And the way that he obtained patients that he could do this procedure on is that he had some plantation owners in the community who had um, slaves who had this condition. He, I don't want to say bought them. There was no money exchange, but he took ownership of them Mm -hmm. in order to perform these experiments and do these surgeries to perfect his technique. Uh, The deal was, um, and there, there are three women that we're going to talk about in particular, but the deal was that he would take ownership of them and, be able to do whatever surgeries he wanted to do and in exchange the in in an attempt to fix these problems and in exchange the uh, slave owners would pay taxes on them and provide some clothes and so this is the deal that was set out for the experiments that we're going to talk about
0: that's going to be after the break and do want to warn you that uh Sydney has briefed me on some of this and it will not be uh necessarily a pleasant listen but uh I think it's worthwhile but do want to give you a warning now if that is not something that you would uh enjoy hearing I'll give you a cliff notes bad dude yeah. very bad very bad dude is the short version mm-hmm. and if you want to hear the much more uh, uh the the longer version and and the the discussion about this we will do that right after we would go to the billing department. The medicines, the medicines that
1: escalate macabre for the mouth.
0: We have just started rehearsing for the summer theater. That's right, summer starts in March around these parts. And that means we don't have much time at all in the evenings to make dinner. But we will not be just consuming Wendy's, uh, although there will be some Wendy's consumed. But we are going to have a little extra help with Factor, which delivers ready-to-eat delicious meals right to your door and not like junky stuff you get out of the freezer aisle whatever. This is real high-quality chef-crafted stuff that in two minutes you're ready to eat it. I'm talking about some Southwestern-style turkey and mac. But I think this week I'm going to be enjoying a shredded chicken taco bowl is, is, is part of my plan. Um, but they got like fancy – listen to this. We're going to get this – truffle butter filet mignon. I mean seriously? From 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 a, a box pre-prepared? All I got it two minutes? i mean, filet mignon? That sounds delicious. Yeah, it sounds delicious. And you can give these a try. And it's not just these meals. We're going to talk pancakes, smoothies. They got some great wellness shots that are surprisingly delicious. And the meals you just eat and eat. There's no prepping, cooking, or cleanup. Get as much as you need by choosing your meals every week. You're going to get exactly what you want. No surprises here. Uh, f- and the, the meals, I can say, are delicious. So what do you got to lose? Head on over to factormeals.com sawbones50 and use code sawbones50 to get 50% off. That's code sawbones50 at factormeals.com sawbones50 to get 50% off. Well Sid,
1: all right, so as we set up, uh, Jay Marion Sims is going to start working on perfecting some sort of surgical technique to repair vescovaginal fistulas. Uh, he He had uh, three women that we know we know their names that um, he did most of his procedures on. There were certainly other other people involved, but these are the three. Uh, that we're mainly going to talk about, Anarka, Betsy, and Lucy. Um, And they all had these fistulas to start with, so certainly they did need them repaired. Um, But he had no idea really how to do this, uh, and it should be noted, uh, did not have, did not use anesthesia. Um, He would do these procedures, his, his attempts, in front of a crowd of doctors so that they could see what he was doing mm-hmm. as well. Um, and it would take a long time because there was no accepted method at the time for, for fixing these. Right. Mm-hmm. So you were figuring out, figuring it out as you went. Uh, he performed the surgery 30 times over four years on arca before getting it right. Um, during one of the procedures that he was attempting on Lucy, he used a sponge uh, placed over the urethra to absorb urine. Kind mm-hmm. of in surgery today, we would put a catheter in someone so that their bladder just remained empty during the procedure, right? We might do that. Mm-hmm. Sometimes that happens during a surgery. That's okay. a, that's an accepted practice. Instead, he used a sponge to so just so urine would not get in the way, but the problem with that is that... It introduced bacteria, and Lucy got a terrible infection, became septic, and almost died as a result of this. Oh my gosh! It should be noted. Um, so he he did these procedures many 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 times. He eventually came up with a surgical procedure that worked. Uh, and there's been a lot of debate about the fact that, as I said, he did not use anesthesia at the time that he was doing these procedures. Anesthesia was not used all the time. We, we actually just did an episode on ether, right? Mm-hmm. And we talked about how it wasn't until about 1846 that everybody was using ether. Mm-hmm. Um, this, these were done in 1845. And so many have argued that he wasn't using anesthesia simply because it wasn't done. Mm-hmm. Right. It wasn't it wasn't a common practice. And I think it's fair to say that it was not used by everyone. But as we have noted, it had been used previously ether had been used as early as 1842 right so this wasn't um and and he was not operating in a vacuum there was knowledge that ether could be used Mm -hmm. um there was knowledge that there were attempts made to anesthetize patients while they were having procedures done um how much of it he knew i don't know i can't go back and say but anesthesia was being used by some people at this point in history not by everyone um he did go on to perform these procedures on other patients who were not enslaved. Mm -hmm. Um, and he didn't use anesthesia on all of them, although eventually he was routinely using anesthesia. Mm -hmm. Um, and there again has been debate about, is that because it was just following the accepted like procedures at the time, eventually anesthesia became the norm, Um, And so that's why he wasn't and then was. There's also been some conversation that Sims made some comments. He documented comments that he didn't think the procedure was very painful anyway.
0: The guy, the guy didn't, the man didn't, the man didn't think that.
1: Now this is wrong. It, it would be a very painful procedure to undergo um, without anesthesia.
0: I, hey, I don't know if I need to say that I may be a white dude, but even <laughs> I know that would be definitely the the truth <laughs>
1: um, there there I, I always think because as we're getting into kind of the conversation about this, there have been surprisingly a lot of uh, published opinions in his defense
0: from which, like the 1800s
1: No like more recent. And that that really kind of took me aback, because I thought this was a pretty clear-cut case. Um, it, whatever you think about that time period in history, uh, there were obviously people who knew that it was wrong to own other humans. Right. So it wasn't accepted by everyone that this was okay.
0: It wasn't like we just discovered... That people who are not white are also human beings. This is not new information. I'm no. sorry. It's not like, no. sorry. I don't want to get into the whole like, was slavery good or bad thing? It's 2018. Apparently, we have to have those conversations, but like, it was bad. And like, some people knew it was bad and some people pretended like it wasn't. I, yes. That, yes. Everyone knew it was bad. Everyone Whether knew they it was participated bad. in it or not. everybody Some knew people it was just bad. really wanted some money. Like, I, yeah. Okay, so I'm not going to litigate the Civil War again. No, well, I I
1: don't very bad. I just don't think it's fair to say, well, you got to consider the time someone lived in. I think we we say that a lot on the show when we're saying, well, they used mercury because they thought mercury was an appropriate treatment. But at the time, everybody was using mercury. So, I mean, I think like that kind of thing, we can look back and say, well, it was the time period. We can forgive that. I, I think that owning people is wrong and we've always known that right Mm -hmm. whether or not you decided to do it we knew it was wrong right so i don't think we forgive that um and we also he was called into question these these procedures experiments that he was doing were called into question by other physicians in his day Mm. there were other people in his time who were saying, whoa, 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 what are you doing? No, you can't keep doing that. That's not okay. That's not okay. That's You're harming someone. You are first doing harm. You're violating, I mean, the Hippocratic Oath did not knew.
0: Right. Not even in the 1840s. Yeah, and it's. I think it's important to note that, like, we're not just talking about slave ownership. We're talking about somebody who, like, dehumanized and tortured, I would argue, tortured, People in the name of medical science because they didn't believe that they were on the same level of humanity as they were. Yes.
1: And it and to to add to that, he he was of the opinion that uh, black people did not feel pain the way that white people did. So I think whether or not he you can argue the anesthesia question all you want, but even if it had been readily available, would he have used it? I don't know. Um, and I again, the fact that he sometimes didn't use anesthesia on women i don't think on, on later on white women i don't think that 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 excuses anything because women's pain has always been mm-hmm. under um appreciated by male mm-hmm. physicians like even today women are much less likely to be taken seriously with pain complaints than men mm-hmm. so I, just because he was sexist doesn't mean he was also racist of course he was i mean Both can exist. Right. Um, And to add to all this, he also did an experimental procedure on newborns. And again, these were because he was catering to the plantation owners. These would have been babies born of their enslaved populations. Uh, He he noticed a high rate of neonatal tetanus, what was called trismus nascentium. And this was probably, by the way, the, the real reason this was happening was usually because of infections of the umbilical stump. So where the umbilical cord was cut, if if because you are living in conditions that do not allow things to be sanitary, right? A lot of these people weren't I mean, this the slaves were not being housed in sanitary conditions these babies were exposed to unsanitary conditions and they could have a higher rate of this neonatal tetanus occurring this is why it was happening he thought it had something to do with differences in the skulls between various races and so in an attempt to fix this he started trying to pry open and widen the skull bones of of newborns mm. with what was essentially like an awl used for shoemaking Um, this procedure, if you want to call it, that had a hundred percent mortality rate. Um, and he blamed it on not his procedure, not the fact that people were living in unsanitary conditions that they had no control over, but, and this is a quote, the sloth and ignorance of their mothers and the black midwives who attended them. So I think, I mean... I don't say this to belabor the point. I just, there have been a lot of modern arguments that we can still celebrate this man. And my modern argument would be that we absolutely cannot.
0: There we go. I, (laughs) I,
1: I agree with Sydney after (laughs) much consideration, just to finish off his story. He eventually did get around to his goal, which was operating on rich white women. That's what he was aiming for with his experiments. He did do it. And while he did these other procedures that that would work to fix a vescovaginal fistula he also did things like remove ovaries to cure
0: hysteria we've we've done that one we 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 hit that one in the, in the past check out our hysteria episode i think it's pretty early on yeah in Salmons. but that's not real
1: no that's not real and if you and by the way these were done at the uh, request of whatever the male guardian was so a father a brother a husband whatever um If they, let's say, uh, Justin, you brought me in for improper sexual behavior, he would also, at your request, perform a uh, a removal of the clitoris. (sighs) So he also would keep patients in the hospital for a long time on opium after the surgery so that he could do more surgeries on them. I don't think I think this was an experimentation, not for fun. I don't mean to insinuate that, but I don't know that that's any better. He did um, some good stuff that is that he is noted for. But I don't I don't think that you memorialize someone who does all this. I think that we we have this information. He had a procedure that fixed a vescovaginal fistula that has been documented. We can learn that and not celebrate his memory. Mm -hmm. Those two things can happen. Right. I mean, there's a difference there's a lot of stuff that we talk about on this podcast that we've learned and we don't celebrate the people who obtained the information. Um, And as I said, there, this, this happened, uh, there was a controversy about this recently because of the statue in Central Park and it was removed in April and moved to uh, Greenwood cemetery. I believe where he is buried. Um, There are other memorials to him, Mm -hmm. other places um, where I I think you could still have this debate. Um, Mm -hmm should they be and some of them have been removed some of them haven't and there is a there is precedent for this in medical history one thing that came to mind as i was hearing this story because i'd never heard of sims in medical mm-hmm. school nobody taught me about him right um to their credit that's maybe. something yeah right? i mean no, to, nobody taught me about this guy i know about fistulas i know about the surgery but i nobody ever taught
0: me about him but i mean not to get get off topic like nobody ever taught you about him but that is like part of the problem, right? Like if you have to learn these lessons too. Yes. medical that's history true. That's a good is littered point. with with people who made the decision, took it upon themselves as human beings to say this knowledge is worth the su- someone else's suffering. Yes. Like, you know what I mean? Like it's people have made this decision throughout medical history.
1: And and again, that you can't excuse it by by basing it well, at this point in history the Hippocratic Oath says, first do no harm. And that's pretty frickin' old. That's ancient. Yes. <laughs> it's Hippocrates. Wh- human beings have inherently known it has been ethically wrong to harm another person for the benefit of someone else for a very long time. We don't, this is not new information. So he's not excused from this because it was the 1840s and other people owned humans too. You don't you don't just write it off. Um, And and another example that, that came to mind that I did learn about in medical school is someone named Hans Reiter, who was a Nazi. And he experimented on prisoners at Buchenwald. And for a long time, we named a certain kind of arthritis that we call reactive arthritis after him. When I was taught this in medical school, I was taught that this is something called Reiter's syndrome. And I was not taught the name Hans Reiter or anything about him. I just, I mean, there are a lot of eponyms. You're taught a lot of names and they don't, they, I mean, they almost never tell you who they're named for. And I remember I was taught Reiter's syndrome and then uh, I was being quizzed and during one of my rotations by a doctor about something, what do you think this could be? And I said, well, could it be Reiter's syndrome? And he said, that's what I was looking for, but don't call it that. Call it reactive arthritis. We don't use that term anymore. And I said, "Well, why not?" And he said, "Well, uh, he was a bad guy. I don't think he really. I don't think the physician really knew either. I think he just knew I'm not you got an email. Like, yeah, we're
0: not no, to send true anymore.
1: So then I looked it up, and he was he was a Nazi, and we knew. I mean, we knew he was a Nazi because we captured him. The Allies captured him, so this wasn't a secret. We knew he was a Nazi. He." uh Even after he was captured, it was continued to be known as called Reiter's syndrome. And it wasn't until the 70s that a group of doctors got together and said, you know what, maybe we stop using this Nazi's name for this. Maybe we call it reactive arthritis because that's what it is. It's more descriptive. And also he was kind of wrong about what caused it. So he wasn't even right about it. So and he's a Nazi. So let's just get rid of his name. And even though that happened in the 70s. When I was in medical school in the 2000s, right. I was still taught this name. And there, there is my point is there is a way to take the we can't just forget the information we have. I'm not saying that we should throw out a surgical no, procedure not. because, I mean, if it works, you, you have to build on that. You have to use the thing that works. You can't do something bad to somebody because you don't want to use the procedure that works because it was obtained this way. But we can learn about this, learn about how wrong it was. It helps us understand the framework we have, the ethical framework we have for experiments now, why you have to get approval from a review board before you can just do something. Because things have to meet certain ethical guidelines. And it's not because, oh, this is hard and we just have to do our paperwork and we don't want to get sued. It's because people have violated them all throughout human history. And if we don't hold everyone to the same standards, they'll do it again. And vulnerable populations are always at risk. At the time, these were peoples who were enslaved in the in the American South. Um, but even now, there are vulnerable populations who are at risk for this. I mean, I think I think prisoners are a good example, and I think a lot of indigent populations and um, uh, people who are differently abled. I think you could even make a case of certainly uh, minorities. And I think you can make a case that uh, immigrants, for sure, and to some extent, women still, as we know, whose complaints aren't taken as seriously. Um, Children, I think, are another good example. Uh, But uh, anyway, that's why I think it's important to talk about that we know how we obtain this uh, information. We can still use the information and also not celebrate the people who obtained it in such horrific ways. Um, And this, of course, leads me to we need... To do an episode about Henrietta Lacks at some point, Mm -hmm. who is a subject of a of an excellent book. And and we will cover on this show as well. I know a lot of people are going to say you didn't talk about Henrietta Lacks. That's because she needs her whole episode about that, about that story.
0: Soon. Coming soon. Sneak period. Yes. Uh, And hey, um, if you want to call or email Marshall University, speaking of things that could be named other things.
1: Yeah, I think it's about time. Especially if
0: you're a grad or alumni or whatever. Yeah,
1: if you if you went to Marshall University, I don't know how many people who listened to our show did, but if you did, this would be a great thing to call and, and make your voice heard um, because it's this, this unacceptable. There's no reason that Jenkins Hall should be named that anymore. Yes. There are a lot of people we could celebrate, and he's not one of them.
0: I think after weighing all of it, Justin McElroy Hall— is the name that we've all sort of settled along, we kept coming back to. And no, um, I think no. that I could probably make this call right now, Justin McElroy Hall,
1: mm.
0: for education and reflection,
1: nah, I and
0: growth, I lo- spiritual mm. and mental, and also podcasting put that at the end because people will be like oh I get it now I understand
1: I, I love you but I don't think that's the best okay
0: well maybe I shouldn't hey, what, come up with it
1: you know what you should do you what? should buy them a microphone for their studio for, for the radio and for, then it can be the Justin McElroy memorial microphone
0: wait what <laughs> I die in the process well no that's <laughs> terrible, Cindy. Uh, thanks so much for listening to our podcast uh, if you want to rate us and review us on iTunes that's great uh, I have a new show out called the empty bowl and it's for people who have anxiety or anxious and like cereal. It's a, or just want a little bit of serenity. It's a meditative podcast about cereal. It's called the empty bowl. You can find it on iTunes, wherever fine podcasts are sold. If you want to go check that out, it's not for sale. It's free. It's free. Obviously. Uh, thanks to the taxpayers for the use of their song. Medicines this is the intro and outro of our program. Thanks to you. Uh, We hope you have uh, learned a little something today. We we have a book coming out. Oh, we have a book coming out. Bit.ly forward slash the Sawbones book. Go pre-order that now and and, uh, we think you'll really like it. And that is going to do it for us. So until next week, I'm Justin McElroy. I'm Sydney McElroy. And as always, don't drill a hole in your head.